Welcome to the Club Dub Football Podcast. Where the only question is Does your team make it into the club? Can he get in? No, he cannot! The guys are ready, so let's hand over to Rob Rose, JB, PB and Aldrin, and get on with the show. Welcome back, gents. Hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. Second time in a week, we're back in the same room, and this time it is for our Christmas into New Year week pick'em show. So if you're new to the podcast, here's how it works. If you're a casual fan, we're going to pick out what we think are the biggest four games of the week, tell you who are going to be the difference makers within the two different lineups, and also pick a winner, namely the team that's going to find itself in club dub. So the format's pretty simple. Four of us, four games, four fantastic pearls of wisdom coming your way. And Aldrin, you know where I'm going first. I'm kicking off with you. So as we get closer to the playoffs and everything seems to count that little bit more, who have you picked out for the tie of the week? So I've picked, well, genuinely what I think is the game of the week against two playoff contenders. Well, one's in, one could be in. And it's the Rams against the Ravens. And I think both kind of coming in off interesting weeks. Obviously, the, the Ravens really struggling with COVID and injuries pretty much throughout the roster, which has been decimated for a lot of the season, really. And the Rams, in a, I guess, a similar position, they've had their own kind of running back injuries, Daryl Henderson now going on their um, IR list. And, yeah, both kind of, I guess, going in with question marks about both quarterbacks, really, or what would, you know, the starting quarterbacks would be in Matt Stafford for the Rams and Lamar Jackson for the Ravens. And yeah, it's just a a real odd game, I guess, because even though the Rams won last week, they had a really sketchy performance from Stafford and he actually hindered their game. Ultimately, it was the defense and a pretty strong run game that kind of came to the rescue. And the Ravens have been without Lamar Jackson for, what is it, two full weeks? Effectively three, because he came out of the game early in the first quarter of the other. Um, And they go in with a lot of questions because Huntley came in and looked a better quarterback for for large portions of the couple of games that he played and then obviously went on the, the COVID list at the weekend. So, yeah, just a really interesting game. Obviously, the Rams are pretty safely into the playoffs now but we'll want to pick up a bit of form and go into January you know playing strongly and the Ravens kind of need to get back on onto winning ways really I think we talked you talked about it on the Tuesday pod JB when you know you were saying if they hadn't gone for those two points or those extra points in a couple of games it would have been a very different picture but ultimately they're maybe in a situation where they're not confident enough to let the games go longer or go into overtime and feel like they have to win within normal time or get as many points as they possibly can because they're not confident in the players' ability to to get a win with an extra 30 minutes or whatever. So, um, yeah, just I think it's a real interesting game with a lot of... maybe a lot of questions to be answered for both teams. So two questions for you quickly. Firstly, the Matt Stafford trade... Mm-hmm. And we've got to remember they sent away a quarterback that had taken them to the Super Bowl. Yeah. They lost, I mean, not unusual for the Rams to give away draft picks. They, they never seem to have them any year, really. But if you were to stop the clock right now and say the Matt Stafford trade, has it worked for you or not? 
Yes, I do think it has, but I don't think he's taken them to the level that I maybe hoped that he would when they made the trade. You know, I don't think he's taken taken them leaps and bounds away from where Jared Goff had got them. Like you said, Goff got them to a, a Super Bowl and to, what was it, a couple of playoff appearances. It, basically, in his whole tenure, they got to the position or sort of the position that they're in now where they were in the playoffs. They were well orchestrated. And yeah, I think the question will be answered better when it comes to the playoffs because I you always felt like that was that was the time where the confidence in Goff wasn't there for McVeigh you know it was um, is is he really good enough is he the guy that we really want you know they had that that little experiment with John Wolford where Goff was kind of semi-healthy was it last year mm-hmm. and they, they went with Wolford because they said he gave them the best chance to win that game so you never felt that there was confidence there I think it's very different now because I feel like that coaching staff have confidence in Matt Stafford even though he had a rough week there seems to be much more of a an assurance with him that they didn't have with Goff and I think that that maybe helps them going into the playoffs but ultimately the question of whether it's been a decent trade will only be answered when they get to the playoffs and I think Stafford's got that monkey on his back of never having won a playoff game now there's a lot of Detroit Lions quarterbacks that haven't won a playoff game let's be clear but he needs to kind of get that that off his back and show that he's he's capable of taking them to the level that they traded all those picks away for I guess well I think the the big thing is that there is still a lot of Detroit in Matthew Stafford mm. and just to come back to a question that you had Aldrin around is you know is Jared Goff good enough is Jared Goff going to be the answer anywhere no no he isn't um, but I think Matt Stafford to me feels an awful lot like a quarterback who doesn't yet believe the team he has around him um, one of the comments I think I made to, to Phil when we were talking about the Browns and the Packers in regards to a comment he made about Baker Mayfield was Mayfield felt to me like he was trying to do everything mm. he was trying to make every throw he was trying to make sure that every play resulted in something for the Browns because they were behind Yeah, and there is a part of me that almost wonders if Stafford still can't get his head out of that Detroit Lions mindset of not having the calibre of player around him and the calibre of coaching around him that he does in Los Angeles. And maybe if it's a little bit like, it's not necessarily that Stafford's bad or not as good as Goff, it's just that Stafford has been so almost browbeaten with everything that's gone wrong in his tenure in the NFL, that there is a part of him that still can't, or still hasn't yet evolved to thinking, actually, I don't need to worry about this because we've still got all of this other stuff. It isn't actually on me to have to win every game. And you've got to think that if that's true, the more time he spends in that Sean McVay system, the more time he spends with the Rams the more consistent he's going to be and the less we're going to see these kinds of games and the more that we're probably going to see the quarterback that the Rams traded for and know they have rather than the quarterback that everybody seems to think Stafford is or is going to become. Yeah. He definitely tries to force too much. Yeah. I think it's definitely an improvement on Goff 
the, yeah. you know, the golf we saw last year. I know golf took them to a Super Bowl, but I think yeah, they are a better team with Stafford. They've obviously gone all in by getting Von Miller and, and Odell Beckham as well. And I, I don't necessarily think that those those additions have really kind of made them a better team than they were earlier in the season. So whether they were you know, moves for the sake of, of, of making moves, I don't know. But they're, they're going to be there or thereabouts. You know, all you have to do is get into the dance and they're going to get to the playoffs. Um, and they'll be a threat, but it just depends who they come up against and how well they play, I suppose. I, th- I think Beckham's made them a better team, mm. purely because yeah. if you think of the situation they would have been in, yeah. you know, Robert Woods no, got that injury yeah. that week that he was traded. That's so a fair point, yeah. It, yeah, they've not quite got that perfect connection. And ultimately, we've not seen the OBJ of old for a good couple of years now but he, he started to get a bit of a connection with what Stafford what is the OBJ of old I'm re- this is um, this was sorry to jump in yeah. this was something that was I think again Rob and I have been talking about recently everyone keeps talking about oh the Browns are going to be so much better because they've got Beckham and now the Rams are going to be so much better because they've got Beckham and I'm trying to wonder what it is people have seen that makes them think Odell Beckham Jr. is this amazing, outstanding player. It's I think the it same. Was, you, but he was a real top tier playmaker in, for, for, in a very poor New York team. Yeah, for what, a year? No, I think basically all of his time there, he he's was, had a, injuries, he was isn't a star. He? I think that's the issue. I don't even think it's that. I just think he's not really settled with any of the quarterbacks that he's. I, I think the question of how the thing worked out in the Browns organisation, I think you said it last week, Rob was more is it that Beckham was the problem or Beckham was just the guy that talked about the problem you know I don't think he's necessary ultimately he didn't play well and he had injuries but I still think he's a very good player and I think he's kind of like Stafford when you were talking about he needs a bit of time getting that connection and getting to know that offence I think he puts them in a better position than they were in if Robert Woods is injured and they're down to Van Jefferson being the only other guy alongside Cooper Cup mm. I, I think that's it I mean Cooper Cup is a superstar I think he's arguably the best wide receiver in the league uh-huh. and if you don't have him at number one you have him in the discussion don't you Yeah. the thing about and this ties to something that, that you said when we recorded on Tuesday about the Cowboys the thing I think that works for Beckham is firstly didn't he have has he not had touchdowns in each of his first three games or four games mm. or something like yeah, that yeah, yeah. Quite, quite, a good, quite a good run of touchdowns in games and the thing is when you're playing in an offence where you score a lot of points that's a great recipe to keep a lot of players happy yeah. you know it's like with Dallas when you're putting up 40 points and all of a sudden Gallup's getting one and C.D. Lamb or Zeke Elliott's coming out with two even if they're not having the yardage having those big plays and those touchdowns is a way of keeping all of your stars happy for me the Beckham trade is a success because it hasn't just blown up in their face and and that I thought was a possibility he has become a good complimentary receiver in that offence but I mean coming full circle here's me going to be a bit negative on Matt Stafford for only about the thousandth thousandth (laughs) time ever but you all just said oh you know he's taking his time to get this isn't a young player no this is a player who might only have two seasons after this and I think Phil your point is right they've gone to get players not to make the dance but to win it mm-hmm. you know they are absolutely a win now the only thing I think in their favour is they've got Sean McVeigh. I think every free agent in the world given the right opportunity and reasonable money wants to go and play there yeah. just like you'd have with, with Tampa Bay with Brady and so on McVeigh is a draw um 
But yeah, I think the Rams need to go and do something. And if the Rams do something this weekend, you know, we could be waving goodbye to the Ravens, can we? I think they they need to the, start winning and winning fast. The Ravens the have to put a fight up here and have to, I think, come away with the win. Yeah. Oh, well, I Otherwise, think, I think I, I think it's it. It's I don't night. think a fight is good enough. They put up a fight in the last three games yeah, they've had and yeah. ultimately come out on the wrong side of the the, the win column. So the the biggest problem that that I think the Ravens are facing at the moment is potentially dealing with their own hubris I don't know if that's the the correct kind of thing for it but just I remember at the end of last season when the Ravens were knocked out of the playoffs the questions were around do you need to continue to develop the offense do you need to you know does Lamar need to take the next leap with his with his throwing and the air attack and the Ravens staff were incredibly defensive around the fact that no, they didn't need to change anything. What they had worked, what they had would continue to work. And what we're seeing this season is no, it doesn't, because as soon as you lose Lamar Jackson, all of a sudden you lose the spark in that. Now, we've talked about Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley has played fantastically when he's come on, but he's not Lamar Jackson. The Ravens have come from behind a lot more than we have seen them from previously. And some of that comes from the fact that that offense isn't just run through Lamar Jackson. It's run because of Lamar Jackson. And they haven't got anything else on offer outside of that. And yes, some of that is down to injuries and some of that is down to COVID and everything like that. But like we talked about on Tuesday, you have to beat the team that's in front of you and you have to put out the team that you have. And if the team that you you have isn't good enough, you need to do things to adapt your game plan for that. And maybe they can't do that. I don't know. I think it's difficult to adapt your game plan from a completely run first offense when all of your offensive linemen are run blockers not pass blockers and your receiving core isn't that way inclined I think where you say you lose Lamar Jackson you lose that impetus well they've lost Lamar Jackson and their entire running back room over the course of the year so I do think when you're a run heavy team to not have any talented running backs Mm. is always going to hinder you I think in truth, it's only down to the coaching that they're still in with a shout of the playoffs. Because I think if any other team loses their starting quarterback for large chunks of the season, loses their entire running back room, and then loses their backup quarterback and is down to, what was it, John Johnson or Josh Johnson? Josh Johnson. You know, then no team's going to be in a strong well, position. You've I think. seen it in New Orleans. Same thing. Sean Payton's an amazing head coach. <laughs> but there's only so far you can go and there's only so much depth, isn't there? I mean, the weird thing with the Ravens, the only thing for me that's odd, love the Ravens, love Harbour, love watching Lamar Jackson when he's on form. The weird thing for me is, you say, oh, they've gone for it recently, you know, they've gone for two at the end where they could have tied it up. The only thing that does surprise me is they've been so cavalier mm. with the best kicker in football. Yeah, 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 you know, not even in those final situations, they have gone for it at times where I think you have got an absolutely brilliant kicker mm-hmm. and you have got an automatic three points, mm-hmm. and they've pushed to try and get back into games. They've they've almost tried to go too far, and the only thing is, you know, we'll find out in the next couple of weeks whether it costs them the playoffs. I mean, they, you know, they weren't necessarily running away with the division with Lamar Jackson, but if they miss the playoffs, all of those decisions will be bought up again, won't they? All looked at under the microscope. So, Rams, rolling hot superpower of the NFC, the slightly wavering AFC superpower that is the Ravens. Who are you putting in club dub, Aldrin? It's a pretty easy one for me. I think the Ravens will struggle again and it'll be a Rams win. 
Los Angeles Rams still in the hunt for a Super Bowl at home. Um, were the Bucks the first people ever to do that? Yep. So yep. would the Rams literally be the, the second yep. team in history if they were to do Obviously it? Obviously the first team to play in it and then win. Yeah, play it and win it. Crikey, you got to go back back a while. Like buses, right? Two come along yeah. at once with the Rams. <laughs> so one game down means three to go. And I'm throwing over to you, JB, for your game of the week. Talk us through the tail of the tape. So my game of the week is really going to be a bit more about a discussion with you guys and maybe convincing me of something that I don't see. So I have chosen to discuss Sunday Night Football as the Minnesota Vikings go to play the Green Bay Packers. And we talked a bit about the Packers and I don't really think there's that much more we can say about it. They've got Aaron Rodgers playing in amazing form yet again. The running game when they can get it going is fantastic with Andre Dillon and Aaron Jones receivers are really starting to show a bit more like from what we expected from them towards the beginning of the season and getting out of that slump mm. you know nailed on for the playoffs nailed on you would assume for at the very least like the the second round of the playoffs the interesting point for me and this is kind of my question to you is what am i necessarily missing about the minnesota vikings because I just I don't see it I don't get it I don't get Kirk Cousins and I don't get anything about that team that isn't necessarily Dalvin Cook on offense and Anthony Barr on defense the the Vikings just feel like an inconsistent train wreck that like on Tuesday's pod we were talking about you know which team wouldn't uh, would you want to meet in the playoffs which is the one that you potentially have that was it the circle game where you can already circle it as a victory and I think the Vikings kind of have, have evolved into that kind of thing for me I think they go into that against the Rams or the Cardinals or the Bucks or or, or the Packers or anything like that and it just it feels like it's going to go as one-sided as it was it that Chiefs Texans game where the, the Texans kicked off and ran it back and then did absolutely nothing for the rest of the game yeah. I think when they were playing Brian Hoyer so what is it about Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings that I'm potentially missing I, don't, I think <laughs> they've got a good running game don't they you know Dalvin Cook's missed games again this year but whenever he's missed missed a game Madison's come in and you know they've not really missed a beat in the running game and I think that's you know that's something that's that's been important for teams you look at the Titans when they lost Derrick Henry they've started a little bit because they haven't had as good a running game so I think you need that that kind of one-two punch and I think that's worked in their favour and it's definitely a strength of that team they've also got a great you know wide receiver core as well Jefferson and Thielen you know he's always got someone to throw to you can't double both of them so I think that helps as well. I, d- I think the weird thing, to your point though, with the Vikings, they are inconsistent, but they've got real talent in that team. You know, I think Justin Jefferson is an absolute stud. Adam Thielen is an absolute stud. Dalvin Cook is an absolute stud. And to your point of them being inconsistent, I think you could go into the playoffs and then beat the best team in the league. Or they could get blown out. But, you know, they've beaten the Packers before. And you would argue the Packers are probably one of, if not the best team in the league right now. So I just think I totally get it. I totally get your point. They're ridiculously inconsistent. And some games they will just fall off a cliff. You'll have Kirk Cousins throw an absolute stinker and just not get any yards. But equally, you could see them putting up 400 yards and beating a very good opponent. They're just that 
weird of a sneaky team. And also, they're starting to stiffen a bit on defense. <clears throat> They've got an aging defense, haven't they? I mean, but Patrick Peterson's had a far better second half of the season. <laughs> he he's starting to look a lot more solid now, and and he's put up against a lot of number one receivers and and having better games. I mean, you mentioned it's weird. You go beyond Anthony Barr. What have they got? Well, I mean. They've got Anthony Barr. I mean, you, you can't just overlook, you know, Kendrick. one of the best defenses. I mean, I, like I just think, but I think Barr's just a wrecking ball at the moment. Yeah, the, the guy can do it all. I mean, you you can rely on him for 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 pressures, for stiffening against the run, for you know, for interceptions and and turnovers, and he's just so physical. And I think when you start to get into this murky realm of of COVID and injury impacted teams. I just think that experience might start to count. But, I mean, I just don't get... I mean, what's up with Kirk Cousins? Statistically, another great year. I mean, look, he, he's not setting the league alight. But let's go the other way. If they don't continue with Cousins after this season, they could be in danger of being a very ordinary team come this time next year. Yeah. You know, we've seen some great teams that rely on the run and have nothing else. I mean, God, you think about the days of Barry Sanders as Detroit Lion. You know, there have been some incredible running backs. I mean, you think about Adrian Peterson when he had Christian Ponder as quarterback in, in Minnesota, for example. Yeah. You know, they need a passing game, particularly to utilise Jefferson, I think. As much as I like feeling, like that, I think Jefferson's another level. Um. Are they right this season? No, I think there are better teams. I think it would take something special for them to go deep in the playoffs. But I don't think they're bad by any so, means. I mean, they're not a Bears, are they? They're not a Panthers. They're, they're not a Falcons. You know, there's a lot of NFC teams and AFC teams, for that matter, that are, for me, a whole step below where the Vikings are. I would. So I get what you're talking about. And yes, the, the Vikings are not as bad as any of those teams. But what I would also look at and think is, is Kirk Cousins maximising everything they can do? Let's look at a team that has got a quarterback who is, let us say, the league average. He's not fantastic. He's not terrible. He's right on that line where he can win you games. And the team consistently does well. And the team, the team consistently makes the playoffs, but never advances anywhere in the playoffs. At some point, you have to look at that team and think, okay, there needs to be a change at quarterback there. They need to do something else. They need to try something else. So that team does that. Drafts in a new quarterback. First season's a bit shaky, ends in injury. Second season, he's in discussion for potentially comeback player of the year and potentially as one of the bright futures of the league. Now, I'm not talking, about, obviously, about the Vikings there. I'm talking about the Bengals. And to me, there is an incredible parallel between Andy Dalton at the Bengals and Kirk Cousins to the Vikings. Because you're saying, yes... If you get Kirk Cousins, get rid of Kirk Cousins, there's the opportunity that that impacts the Vikings negatively. But you have to you have to also acknowledge that there is the possibility that you move on from Kirk Cousins and get someone that can actually light that league up, light that team up, make the absolute most of Cook, Thielen, Bengals, Bengals, you're talking as if the Bengals have done something the Vikings haven't. You know, come back, you know, if, if the Bengals win a Super Bowl... But, but I mean, there's one winner, 31 losers. Yeah. And, and I mean, ultimately, the Vikings are, you know, the, from what I'm hearing, your criticism is the Vikings aren't the Rams or the Packers. Well, there are, what, another 14 teams in the conference that aren't the Rams or the Packers. You know, the, that, that's, for me, he is an average quarterback, and there aren't many above average quarterbacks that tend to hit the market. You can draft one, 
but then you know it doesn't feel like the year that you're going to uncover the next you know Andy Dalton let alone the next kind of Tom Brady I guess to that point do you think he's playing better or worse than Stafford I think he is because that's that's kind of the benchmark. If you're saying you know the Rams are a brilliant team, the Rams team, went out and did it. The, you know, yeah, the, that's the that's the other benchmark. So do you think he's playing? I think worse. I than think Stafford? Kirk Cousins is playing consistently better than Matt Stafford in terms of the fact that that is on a consistent basis. Hmm. However, who do I think is the better player out of the two of them? Matthew Stafford, absolutely, because the high of Matthew Stafford is so much higher than the high of Kirk Cousins, and the low actually isn't that much different. So hold on, let's go back a year, right? So let's apply the argument you've just made to Matt Stafford as a Detroit Lion. Mm-hmm. Never never won a playoff game. Nope. He had Megatron, arguably one of the greatest wide receivers to ever play the game. Never won a playoff game. Could you have been in Detroit a year ago, this time of the season, going, Detroit have already seen their ceiling with Matt Stafford, they need to move on? Because because I don't think I don't no, think they are wildly but you're, you're different looking, talents. But again, you're, no, I think they are because Detroit. Yes, Stafford was throwing to Megatron. Who else did they have? Name me one player other than Calvin Johnson that you would look at and think, okay, there's someone else. Whereas with, we've already Galladay talked. Would, Galladay would be the one. I'd Galladay would probably of, be the right? one. But what's like this season? Not really done an awful lot, you know. No. But but now you now you're mixing it. Oh no! But I, then you you bring in a lot of New York Giants at, factors into that that's conversation. That's true. But you're also looking at then Kirk Cousins with Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs. Because let's not forget he had Diggs yeah. for a good chunk of it. Yeah. Um, Justin Jefferson now, Dalvin Cook now, Alexander Matteson now. I think that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. yeah. You look at all of the pieces that you've got there, and you have to look at it and. To my mind, and this, again, this is I've asked her the question and I'm now arguing with the answers that I'm given, so it felt <laughs> fairly pointless. But it is that sense of honestly, does Kirk Cousins get the best out of that team? But I think, I do, do you think he's get the best out of Kirk Cousins? I mean, yeah. why does the world revolve around Kirk? So here's one quarterbacks that are going to be available at the end of this season, and there isn't an awful lot to draft, right? There's not a, no a Trevor Lawrence you know, or, or anyone that you'd, you'd reach for, potentially. So, does Jimmy Garoppolo make the Vikings better? No. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is the same quarterback I mean, as Deshaun Kirk Watson is the one yeah, factor, yeah, right? I mean, Somebody gets Deshaun Watson. He's not played for a while, though. And we, I mean, some players don't play for a, a while. Year out of the league Michael Vick, you know, players have done it. But it, there's no guarantee with Deshaun Watson. Just like we said, there was no guarantee really with, you know, with what's gone on with Dallas, with Dak Prescott. So I just don't know. I think the risk and reward argument with Kirk Cousins is the risk is so great if you move on from him. Yeah, that's you know, Kirk I mean. Cousins makes the Saints better, for example. Yeah. You know, I I just think it's a yeah. I think it's an argument. To, having said that, um, who are the Vikings? Playing the greatest, the Packers, the greatest quarterback to play in the league currently. Um, well, there you go. So, I mean, the other thing I've got to say about the Packers, they find ways to win, don't they? I mean, their record absolutely speaks for itself. And whether you take the Browns imploding, or whether you take what they did against the Cardinals, where they were lucky because AJ Green doesn't turn around to catch a ball with the final play of the game. I, I don't know. I just think the Packers are a very good team. Um, and there aren't many of those in the league. Should the Vikings trade for Aaron Rodgers? That's the big question. <laughs> I don't think he'd go there. 
No, I don't. well, far famously, yeah, there, it was some, mm, somewhat true. tongue in cheek. Yeah, kind of, yeah, you kind of get into very murky water. And actually, as a quick one, what about the renaissance of Brett Favre in Green Bay, putting him on the what do they call it, the jumbotron for his message to Aaron Rodgers, and everybody forgets those years as a Jet and a Viking. Um, maybe it's good. I mean, he did an awful lot, didn't he, for the Packers? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Packers are the high watermark. They're not as splashy and as flash as the Cowboys and and the Rams. But I mean, they have the best record in the NFC, don't they? The Packers. Mm-hmm. Are they they mm-hmm. currently yeah, number one. The, the Packers are number one, most likely to win out and keep that number one seed again. So, so here's a question. And I know we've kind of you asked for an argument, and you kind of got argued. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but if the Vikings were to win, they were to play well, and they were to win against the Packers this weekend, is that for you? Do you look at the Vikings differently, or do you go? Well, oh my God! I told you they were hot and cold. Look how hot and cold they are. No, again, it would be that. It would be very much the okay. Well, why can't you do this? Why can't you do this every week? Mm-hmm. And and don't get me wrong. If the Vikings win this weekend, and the Vikings win next weekend, Which they and the Vikings win the weekend after that, then I will happily sit on one of the editions of this podcast that we do and say, okay. The Vikings have shown me something here. The Kirk Cousins have shown me something. I will re-evaluating my opinion of the Vikings. I can, however, completely confidently say I'm not going to have to have that conversation because it's not going to happen. You say that, so they've only got the Packers and then they've got the Bears. Matt Nagy's farewell game. So, I, you know what? I, I'm not going to sit here and say they're definitely going to be the Bears. I, I think most teams will be the Bears. The Unless you're the Seahawks, but they are garbage. Thanks, yeah. Phil. That'll yeah. earn me a yeah. sandwich. <laughs> so, uh, look, I, I'm not even sure. Um, we, we need the music. Um, JB, <laughs> uh, Vikings against the Packers. Who, who do you think might end up in I'm, Club Dub this week? I really week? want James oh. to say, I want to shock you. Go, go. No, it is the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers. I tell you what, that's a controversial pick. <laughs> one seed in the, the NFC best team win. in the league. Yeah, yeah, I like that. The Packers, our second team. PB, give us the tie that's going to provide our third team into Club Dub, please. So I'll keep it brief, as you can understand, as my voice is rapidly disappearing. Well, you've not mentioned it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go for the Chargers versus Broncos matchup. Um, you know, an, an interdivision matchup between two. Yo-yo teams, arguably this season, who can't seem to to kind of get a run of games going. Um, both coming in off two-game losing streaks, both in danger of missing out on the playoffs. When you know, have, have arguably looked like playoff contenders at different times of the season. So, I think it's really interesting. I think you've got one kind of real high-powered offense uh, in the Chargers against a, a team with a you know a pretty good defense. So, you know, which of those is going to come out on top? I think. For me, you know, the more exciting team is is the Chargers, but the Broncos are still grinding out results, albeit, you know, they lost the close one to the Raiders at the weekend. Um, it's it's a real kind of pick 'em game, to be honest. I think we, you know, early in the season, it looked like the Chargers might end up as division winners and kind of comfortably in the playoffs, and then they've had a couple of poor losses. Who'd have seen them getting, you know, getting 41 points put up against them by the Texans at the weekend, who've, who've not really done that against anyone this season. So, 
it's a real I think it's going to be a real close game and a real interesting game to watch as, as they're fighting it out for playoff position I think you know the quarterback battle is easily won by the Chargers you know Herbert's one of the bright young talents in the league versus it's probably going to be Drew Locke again I suppose for yeah. the Broncos you know he he, he did alright at, at the weekend but you know wasn't wasn't brilliant I don't think he's a, a good starting quarterback um so, you know, the, the Chargers have got the edge there, but then the Chargers have got COVID problems again. Mike Williams is back on the COVID list. Um, so it's affecting their receiver room. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting... I think it's going to be a bit of a shootout game, but it's going to be quite interesting. The Chargers have been so poor away from home, though, haven't they? Mm. They've been really, really strong yeah. at home, putting up 30, 40 points when they're playing at home. And then when they go on the road, they just... I don't know what it is, because, I mean... Going away to the Texans should be. I know it's, you know, it's not ideal because it's a bit of a trek, and if you've got COVID issues, then yeah. you know any travel from there is not great. But the Tex, looking at the away fixture of the Texans, shouldn't fill you with dread, and certainly yeah. shouldn't present a concern that you're going to ship forty plus points. Yeah. Um, I, I think COVID issues. I'm not sold on as an excuse purely because at this point in the season and where we're at in the league everybody's got that you know everybody's got one of their star players out so you have to be able to adapt I just think defensively they were so poor against the Texans and all the um, the Texans weren't ridiculously clever and creative they had Davis Mills as quarterback so they did what they've done the last six eight weeks and that's just try and run the ball yeah and the only difference from this game compared to the last seven weeks is that it worked so they just kept doing it I mean mm. Rob said it on Tuesday the the Rex Burkhead being the superstar running back putting up what was it two touchdowns and 150 yeah. plus yards or something like that I think it was his highest the yardage total. oh good lord <laughs> but it wasn't his highest yardage yeah. total as a as a professional yeah. it's like see but I think that's the bigger problem is that all of a sudden the league has realised how you hurt the Los Angeles Chargers, yeah. and they do not have an. I, I mean, I know Bosa, you know, having there, there are certain players coming back who could make a difference to that. But my concern is that they've been figured out at the wrong time, and they don't have the personnel. Or, I mean, they have a defensive head coach, you know, who did brilliant things with the Rams and all of those superstar players. And at the moment, they cannot stop the run. Different with Evan Donald. Yeah, you cannot stop the run against the Houston Texans. It doesn't really feel like a recipe for success. Um, I've only got a quick point to make on the Broncos, and it's simply this. Um, I, think Vic, um, I think Vic Fangio is the Kirk Cousins of head coaches. I think if Denver move on from Fangio, they would be bonkers because they are where that roster deserves to be because they are a quarterback short of being competitive and that's what's showing up. I think a good quarterback in that quarterback room for Denver and things could change massively because they're well organised and they do a lot of things well. So I think it's interesting that you're bringing up Fangio and the quarterbacks there because there was something I read the other day, I think it was a Denver Broncos um, fan site Mm. that basically put out an editorial piece saying Fangio needed to go because of the obvious bias he had against Drew Locke and how he was limiting Drew Locke's success (laughs) and therefore the Broncos' success. And what 
I'm looking directly at the microphone here when I say this. If there are any Denver Broncos fans listening to this that think Drew Locke is a quarterback, please reevaluate your choices because you are wrong. I mean, he's definitely, he's definitely a quarterback. He's definitely a quarterback. He's not a good one at all. Let's, let's play QB Je- Jeopardy. If Drew Locke is the answer, what is the question? <laughs> And, and what's, what's the best route to getting the number one pick without completely tanking? <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things where I think, and also remember they've lost Von Miller. You know they've got Satano. I think's had actually a very solid rookie mm-hmm. year. Yeah. And if it wasn't for what's gone on with with Diggs in Dallas, I think he would be talked about a lot more. I just think they're well organised on defence and offensively they're okay. They've got some pretty good receivers, admittedly pretty good receivers. They've just paid a lot of money to stick around. Had a, but I like, think they're a quarterback short. Jerry Judy's been out. All year, has he? Judy, and I mean, they've got Cortland Sutton. You know, they've yeah, got they've some good players, yeah. right? They've got some good players. They are shorter quarterback. But, I mean, if they can solve that, I mean, I don't think Deshaun Watson goes there, right? But I think <laughs> we were just no. talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. I think He'd Jimmy Garoppolo there. makes Denver better. I yeah. think, you know, and all of a sudden, I don't know if the Chargers aren't what we thought they were going to be. Can you, you know, we talked at the start of the season and we said the Raiders and the Broncos need to get their act together because otherwise the Chargers and the Chiefs are going to be out of sight for the next decade. That's not where we are. I think Fangio's done all right. Jimmy G needs a franchise that is strong in the run game because that's where he thrives, right? He thrives with a strong run game and then he can do his stuff on third down. Well, I think Denver's got one of the better running back rooms. Agreed. I think those two are just dynamite was it Javante Williams and uh, yeah, Melvin. Melvin Gordon yeah those two are brilliant I mean the other week was it last week they put up like 120 yards each yeah something crazy like that so I think he, yeah yeah he, I've got the week off from work this week and I might need to dive into the uh, was it the all 32 or whatever is the the coverage on uh, yeah. NFL game pass because mm-hmm. I, much like I asked the question about the Vikings I must be missing something about the Broncos that all of you lot have seen with like good run games and stuff and I'm aware of the fact that I'm going in quite heavily on a lot of teams right now so <laughs> you just want to come in bit. and but stir stuff up I think, I think the, the Broncos are the was it the 2017 Leicester that won the Premier League? Yeah. I think that they're that. They are a team that are playing far outside of expectations and far outside of ability and I don't think they're going to make the playoffs and even if they did I don't think they're going to advance particularly far into it They, as we've addressed they have bigger problems around head coach and around quarterback that they need to solve they're not Jobbers, they've they've won games and they've they've put in a lot of good performances they're not, the yeah, they're not terrible by any means the interesting thing for me about the Chargers is they appear to have slipped into the same Chargers problems that happened last season and the season before and the season before and the season before with previous two head coaches and I wonder what kind of voodoo is on the Chargers franchise to it is it just they have actually had some voodoo because they moved from San Diego is that what it is or is it just they are a team that are consistently middle of the pack in terms of draft position and everything like that. They're never low enough to get an absolutely star player with the exception of the year that they were able to draft Joey Bosa, who obviously was a big missing piece for them at the weekend. But they're usually around kind of the midpoint, so they never get the superstars. They're never getting the the lower end, more potentially more inconsistent half of the draft. And as a result of that, are they a team that is just 
good, good enough, but not fantastic. They've like they've got a lot of great wide receivers. I like like Mike Williams. I think Phil mentioned um, Keenan Allen is absolutely Keenan fantastic. Austin Eckler is good for what they got him to do, but I don't think he's good at what they're getting him to do now, and they need to solve that. Austin Eckler's great, but the, the Chargers just feel a little bit, a little bit like the Bengals and a little bit like the Vikings in terms of well, they're they're there. They are, they are absolutely yeah. a team that exists right now. See, I think the last... I kind of agree with half of your point. I think the last few years they've done all right. And the draft, obviously, Herbert, uh, uh, along with Bosa. They've got some good players like Jake. I, I do look forward and think, how can they massively improve this team with where they're going to be picking? And losing Hunter Henry was annoying to me. Yeah, you know, I, I know they went out. Was it Jared Cook they replaced yeah. him with? You know, they, they tried very hard. But, I mean, it, it did feel like the front office missed a few opportunities and they're going to need to be pretty spectacular. Then again, having said that, a lot of players on one-year deals with the salary cap issues at the start of the season, you know, there will be a front office that can make that happen. But, yeah, I, I do see your point. It feels like the Chargers need to do something moving forward and I'm not sure there's really an obvious, obvious route to that. So... PB, I'd, it is an interesting game, and I, I think you're right, JB, to mention expectation. I had the Broncos down as a four-win team this year, maybe the Vikings as a four or five-win team yeah. this year. So maybe I'm, I'm slightly up on them because it's expectation rather than you know where they sit, truly in terms of wins and losses. Um, but how do you see this one playing out, PB? Who are you putting in, Club Derb? Yeah, for me, I think the the Chargers are less likely to lose three in a row than the Broncos are. I think they've got more talent, you know, as I said earlier, certainly at the quarterback position, and I think they have a smidge more talent through the team. So, for me, this one's going to be a, a Chargers win to put them back, you know, firmly in the in the playoff hunt. <laughs> to go and it's me just to round out with a simple game that I think will I mean actually whoever wins I don't think is quite as important as what it means for what comes next so my game of the week I've picked the injury hit Tennessee Titans against the team on the joint hottest streak in football the Miami Dolphins so why do I think this game between two relatively low-scoring teams, both with a chance of getting into the playoffs, in fact the Titans probably with a chance of winning the division to get mm-hmm. into the playoffs, why do I think this is so important? Well, the first reason I think it's important is even with all the injuries the Titans have, even with no Derrick Henry and the problems around you know, personnel on that roster, I still think this is the biggest test the Dolphins have had since their winning streak started. And I think a win against a well-organised, hard-working Titans team would say something about where Miami are. Now, conversely, you know, Tennessee are up against a team that have won seven games straight, that are doing a lot of things right, and are finding a way to win pretty much every week at the moment. If they can deliver themselves a win here, I think it also says that even with all the injuries they've had, even with all the ins and outs that have gone on in Tennessee, that is still a roster that we can take seriously and think stand a chance of winning a couple of games in the playoffs. And you know what? A couple of wins absolutely puts you in the melting pot. If they can get down to the final four, you know, find their way to an AFC championship game. I think we've seen it with what the Philadelphia Eagles a few years ago. You know what? You can get yourself that far. You stand a chance. You know, it's not about putting together a string of three or four wins on the bat. If you can get yourself there, a couple of good performances can see you lifting the Lombardi. So, 
where do I see the battle lines being drawn? Well, I think the Dolphins will have to score points. You know, for all the problems on offense that I've just described with the Titans, I don't think they've been laying many eggs. So I think the Dolphins are going to have to win a game by scoring more than 25 points against a pretty good defense. Not something I've seen them have to do, really, on that seven-game win streak. Equally, you know, I think the Dolphins have the type of weapons that, you know, they're not in the league of someone like the Chiefs, but... A performance where the Titans can keep Waddle quiet, where they can keep Gusecki quiet, where they can limit the run game, says a few things about do Tennessee have the types of tools that means they can mix it with the very best. Is it going to be a gargantuan battle of the heavyweights? No. But for those teams creeping in a little bit unnoticed into the playoffs, I think it's as interesting a tie as there is this week. We've touched on the Dolphins a little bit and you know whether they are a really good team or they're not really a good team and, and all that kind of stuff. But if you look at their seven-game winning streak, the quarterbacks they've faced in order, Terod Taylor, Lamar Jackson after the Ravens had run 98 plays only four days prior, Joe Flacco, Cam Newton slash PJ Walker, Mike Glennon, Zach Wilson and Ian Book. So it's not as if they've been playing a high calibre of opponent and they've, they've, not been, yeah. they've not been blowing them out of the water. So we talked very early in the season, week three or four, about which teams were a mirage. And I suppose you could almost argue that point about the Dolphins right now. Agreed. Yeah. And I think it, it, what makes this so interesting is it's not the Dolphins' fault they've been playing against Ian Book and mm. PJ Walker. You know, they can only beat whoever's mm. put up against them. But it does start to answer that question of, should we be considering the Dolphins as a, a true bona fide playoff type team? I think the Patriots have earned that. I, I know we don't necessarily agree universally around the table, but I think the Patriots have earned that. Yeah. I think the Bills are definitely starting to look more like that now. They're, they're starting to find their groove. Mm-hmm. So are the Dolphins worth paying attention to? Or are they an easy team to be picked off if they were to find their way in? Mm. Ooh, no, yes, they they <laughs> all of the above. Yes, all of yes. Can I have option D? All of the above, please, uh, Bob. I get what Phil's going with with his point there around the quarterbacks that they've they've played, and yes, there is an element of your team is you you are judged based on your quarterback play, but it's not just about it isn't just about that. Like yes, the Miami defense might have had it a bit easier against. In some cases, most recently, a fourth-string rookie quarterback. But defense isn't the only side of the ball, and you still have to put up points yourselves, and you still have to win. And the reason I know that is I go back to the Cardinals-Seahawks game that ended, was it 6-3, with three field goals and I think Seattle winning it in the fourth quarter it it isn't just a thing it's not just oh they've got a rookie quarterback we can tick this one off there is an element of still having to play the game that you have to go into and there is also something that we've talked about multiple times on the podcast before of trap games teams that play down to the opposition that they have in front of them and we, we sort of talked there about it's not the Dolphins fault they've had those teams in front of them but you beat the team that's in front of you and the trick is always not falling to a team that you think is going to be a a pushover a walkover a team that is is going to go down without much of a fight and we know that that is a fact because this past weekend we saw a Houston Texans team that we have routinely said are hopeless put 41 points up yeah yeah 
and that wasn't against a backup, a third, or a four-string quarterback. That was against the rookie quarterback last year, who was absolutely lights out, fantastic. But your question leads to ultimately the question is this, right? The seven-game losing streak the Dolphins had earlier in the season was against better opposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is it the Dolphins have improved and they've found their way back and they've improved through the season, or is it just they started off the season against good teams and lost? They've ended the season against poor teams and won. I mean, are we it, are we building this too, up to be more of I a think, question? So I think every team has good and bad opposition for them. Every team, every season is built up of a team playing good teams and bad teams. And there is an element that potentially what happened here is just instead of it being mixed around, it was literally just right. Dolphins, you've got to eat all of your veg first, and then once you've had your veg, then you can have your ice cream. And we are currently in the ice cream portion of the dolphin season. Um, I love your analogy. The, the, the metaphor is strong. Oh, thank you. Thank you very <laughs> much. Um, I love that your meals are only veg and then ice cream. Oh, just, it was just a, it I was, know, it was a, a, you know, for <laughs> illustrative purposes. It was very nice. And there, there is kind of a factor in that but but again I go back to the fact that you have to beat the teams that are in front of you mm-hmm. the other consideration that we have to make with all of this and I'm pinching something that Aldrin said earlier in the day we are now further away from the when are the Dolphins going to trade for Deshaun Watson conversations and the further away we get from that the more confident you have to feel Tua Tungavailoa is going to be yeah. The fewer questions any of the Dolphins have to answer about what do you think about Sean Watson, what do you think about the quarterback play, all of that kind of stuff. Now that's in the rearview mirror for the, for the moment, potentially. Mm-hmm. The team can just focus on doing what they're doing. And we have seen, and again, I keep going back to examples we've already seen of it this season, the Raiders. Everything went down for the Raiders after they'd had a pretty good start to their season and then all of a sudden it started to get a bit bumpy and you started to have that you could see the influences of those outside circumstances affecting the mindsets of the team around them mm-hmm. the dolphins have got that kind of thing of right we've got all of that out of the way let's now start playing really really good football i'm going to keep my point brief only cuz james has stolen my point mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but i think to your point rob I think Tua is an average quarterback that will beat below average teams. I don't think he's capable of beating very good teams. And ultimately, that doesn't bode well for when you go into the playoffs and you don't have Ian Book to face you. You've got Tom Brady and others. You know, you when you, when you come up against the very best, I think they fall short. With the Titans, God, they're frustrating as a, as a division rival, purely because when just when you thought they might slip up with injuries and you know effectively having to put the game on Ryan Tannehill's back and they still kept getting wins and now they've got AJ Brown back I think I'd be very worried if I had to face the Titans in the playoffs with what is likely to be a potentially fresh Derrick Henry I mean it depends how well he and how quickly he comes back from that injury and how quickly he can get back up to speed but if he gets back to 60% of regular yeah. Derrick Henry, then he's a real force and, and yeah. completely changes the outlook for that team. Um, I still think you can get at the Titans, but ultimately they're still keeping themselves in contention and winning tough games by small margins 
ultimately gets you to the playoffs and, and they're still a real threat. Um, so I think... I don't know how it'll go because I still think they're both... You know, the Titans are still under strength and Miami are riding this kind of crest of a wave, but ultimately Titans now represent an actual challenging opponent. Um, so, yeah, I well, guess we'll see. It's left for me to decide really one of two things. Are the Tennessee Titans veg... Or the Tennessee Titans ice cream <laughs> is, is ultimately what this entire pod falls down to. So the final team this week going into Club Dub is the Tennessee Titans. Of course it is. Pull back the velvet rope, play the music. So what an amazing week, wonderful roundup of where we think the big ties will be won and lost in the days ahead, and all that is left to share now with everyone out there in listener land, JB, is just how close our contest is. Our. So the four of us that predict games each week, and I should say I, I missed last week as I was on the COVID list, but uh, talk to us about recent winners and where that leaves us for the season overall. So the first thing we have to do is obviously we have to address not this past week, but the week before. Because when we recorded last week, there were still some games to play. And what we can confirm is for week 15, our champion was the host with the most, Rob Rose, at 13-3. and three. Uh, It was close. It came down to the final slate of games. PB coming up a very close second at 12-4. and four. Uh, uh, I was then 11 and 5 and Aldrin came last at 10 and 6 still strong Aldrin still strong for the previous week as I said with Rob Rose on the Covid list it was down to just a race between the three of us and I am happy to share with the fans the viewers the listeners that their favourite was (laughs) me JB won with a 12 and 4 again coming down to the results of the Dolphins and the Saints game again PB coming a very close second with 11 and 5 and Aldrin with 10 and 6 now the key to take away from all of this is with two weeks left to go in the regular season we currently sit at JB and Aldrin with three wins each and Phil and Rob with five wins each. where the action is, right? Is yep. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It all comes down to this. Aldrin and I, or I, need to win both of the next two weeks in order to take it to the tiebreaker. Whereas if either Phil or Rob sweep it, if, they win outright. If. if. And it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, all, it's nail-biting. It's going to come down to the wire. I can feel it. Well, I just need, like we talked about earlier, I just need the Vikings to win because that's my prediction for this week. So. <laughs> there you go. The Vikings uh, turning it around could be all what, we need. What an absolute shame! You are you are betting. I'm your taking life. a punt. You're you're yeah. you're punting on broccoli here, my friend. I just need Cordero Patterson to be the uh, the return man. Are they, are they veggie ice cream? <laughs> we'll we'll all sit tight and have to find out. So thank you for another great show. Remember, you can follow all of our output on our various social media channels, including just who might win our pickums. You can even put your own selections. Find us on Twitter. Um, but otherwise, gents, a stunning show. Well, oh, Rob, you know, as our last show of 2020, as the official club dub spokesperson. 2021. 2021, yeah, jeez. Yeah. Gone back a year. <laughs> as our last show of 2021, as the official club dub spokesperson, I just want to wish our listeners a very happy new year. Enjoy your night, stay safe, and we look forward to bringing you more excellent content in 2022. So that sounds good. I mean, when you say spokesperson, you don't mean presenter, right? Because that's been cleared up. <laughs> <laughs> Entirely, there's no... 
yeah. Host, host is. Fills the Ian Book of our quarterback. <laughs> oh, see, see, I was, I was about to say, it's all right, Rob. You, you are still the Joe Montana of this podcast. Phil is merely the Steve Young of this. No, podcast. I prefer Ian Book. No, yeah, yeah, like serviceable but not great. Any, anyway, as we as we go off into the distance and argue, have yourselves a great end of the year and a wonderful start to twenty twenty two. We look forward to catching you all next week. Bye all. Cheerio. Thanks a lot. This is amazing. Remember to subscribe and be cool. Tell your friends. Again.